The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTB Nation? Happy Sunday, happy Sunday night to be exact, and welcome back to the PTB Media Network for another episode of the Parking the Bus Podcast. It's episode 13 tonight, and as always, we got another action-packed episode coming your way. We got a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it, all right? We're going to start this week south of the border. We're going to Mexico, and we're talking Liga M. X to start off, okay? So, Saturday, September the 18th, sorry, <laughs> Friday, September the 18th, we had two matches, Necaxa at home loses 1-0 to Puebla, while Mezatlan FC at home loses 3-2 to the visiting Cruz Azul, the winners of the Copa Porta Mexico earlier this summer. And then yesterday, Saturday, September the 19th, three matches on the docket at the Jalisco. Uh, Atlas were beaten 1-0 at home by visiting Pachuca. While at the Universitario, you had Tigres holding holding their home fourth down. They went 3-0 at home to Querétaro. And then the big one, the Copa, excuse me, the Clásico. Not the Copa, the Clásico. El Clásico de México. None other than Club América versus Chivas de Guadalajara. And it would be Las Aguilas coming out on top. That's right, Miguel Herrera's men pull out a 1-0 victory in this classic rivalry match. This this eternal rivalry match between the two biggest names in Mexican football. And quite honest, the two biggest names in football in the United States as well. Okay, They are the two biggest brands, the two most followed clubs in the United States of America that needs to be understood. America, Chivas. This is a, the Clásico de México. This is the biggest... Television match of the year every year, every time, if you will, um, in the television ratings when these two meet. And it would be America won Chivas nil, as we said. Goal from none other than former LA Galaxy and Barcelona star Giovanni Dos Santos. He was assisted by Richard Sanchez. America... One of the one of the the top teams this season in this in this Liga Emekis we used to call it the Apertura this season we're calling it the Guardiones Cup as America pick up the three points and we move to today's matches earlier 
very early today. We had Toluca at home, another home team to lose. Toluca lose 2-1 to one at home to Santos Laguna. And Atletico San Luis keep the trend going at home. Beaten 2-1 to one by Monterrey. Reados winning again. Let's go to the table now as we are moving along with this competition, with the tournament as they call it down there. We're through 11 rounds for most teams. And Cruz Azul are top of the table with 25 points. Club America second with 23. Pumas and Leon are third and fourth respectively. They've got a match in hand. 22 points for Pumas, 21 for Leon. Either one of them can can catapult over America with a victory in their next match. Pachuca's fifth, 18 points. While Tigres and Monterrey, the two uh, the two rivals from the the Clásico Regio uh, from Monterrey, from the city of Monterrey. It's Reados and Tigres. They are level with 17 points each. Tigres with the tiebreaker right now with the plus six goal difference. Chivas, Guadalajara are eighth on 15 points. Puebla ninth on 13. FC Juarez are also on 13. They're 10th. And Toluca also 13. They are 11th, of course, goal difference, the difference for the, for those three teams separating them. And right now, Santos Laguna sitting in the final uh, qualification spot for the next phase in 12th with 12 points. Querétaro are one behind them with 11. Atlas and Mezatlan and Tijuana Cholos all have 10 points. Well, Atletico San Luis and Necaxa have 8 points as they share the bottom of the table. And we will quickly take a look at the leaders in scoring here in Mexico. It is still the Frenchman, André Pierre Gignac, top of the scoring list with eight goals. Jonathan Rodriguez, the Uruguayan, is second with six, as is Juan Ignacio Deneno, also with six. He's from Pumas. And then Alexis Canelo of Toluca has five, as does Victor Davila of Pachuca. All right, so let's move on now. That is Mexico for this week. We're going to go ahead to the biggest competition in this in this hemisphere. We're going to Copa Libertadores, which had match day three this week. As I am pulling up the scores now. We had match day three. Okay, the first two match days were played way back in March and in February, actually, I believe. But now we've got match day three finally after the long, long layoff due to the COVID outbreak and the suspension of football in general. We're going to move back. and we're, It was March 12th was the previous, the previous match day. So September the 15th, earlier this week, Tuesday night, was the first night of, of the return of Copa Libertadores. And we had Colo Colo 2, Peñarol 1. Jorge Wilsterman, 2. Atlético Paranaense, 3. B Nacional, 0. Liga de Quito, 1. Santos FC, 0. Olimpia, 0. On Wednesday, Estudiantes Merida, 3. Alianza Lima, 2. Internacional Porto Alegre, the Brazilian side, 4-3 winners at home in Rio Grande do Sul over América de Cali. Bolivar 1, Palmeiras 2, that one um, 
goes to the roadside. Independiente Medellin to Caracas, the Venezuelan side, with a surprising road win. 3-3-2 to the Venezuelan side. And Universidad Católica to Gremio Porto Alegre, nil. And we move to Thursday. Thursday we had in, Argent- in Argentina, Racing Club nil. Nacional of Montevideo, one. Defensa y Justicia, three. Delfin, nil. São Paulo, two. River Plate, two. And then the shocker of the week, and this was a shocker for me, although it's been an up-and-down season ever since the restart for these guys. Independiente del Valle, five. The reigning champions, the reigning holders, Flamengo, nil. That's right, Roman um, Dominic Torrent's side. Go to Ecuador and lose 5-0. They're going to stay in Ecuador because they're playing there again on Tuesday. I'll get to that in a moment. Also, Libertad, nil. Boca Juniors, 2. Barcelona, Guajanquil, 1. Junior, Barranquilla, 2. And Guarani, 4. Tigre, 1. And there's matches all this week. We'll get to those in a moment. Let's go to the table now in the groups and see where they stand here after three match days. Group A, the leaders, Independiente del Valle, the the reigning winners of the Copa Sudamericana, go into first place in Group A with that win over Flamengo. They have nine points. Flamengo are second with six Junior are third with three. And then in, in the bottom is Barcelona with no points. Barcelona, Guajanquil, of course. No points. They host Flamengo on Tuesday. Group B, you have Palmeiras, top of the group with nine points. Three victories from three matches. Guarani are second with six. And Bolivar are third with three points. Tigre. In the bottom, no points, all three losses. Group C, Athletic Paranaense, six points. They have a slim one-goal goal difference lead over Colo-Colo uh, in, in the group. Also with six points. The third-place team right now is Jorge Wiesterman with, with Peñarol right behind them. In fourth, they each have three points. Group D, Liga de Quito has six points. River Plate has four, as does São Paulo. And Binacional has three. Group E, Inter Porto Alegre, seven points. Grêmio Porto Alegre, their inner city rivals, uh, have four. They're second. América de Cali has three, as does Universidad Católica. Group F, uh, Nacional de Montevideo, is top of the table. They have nine points from three matches. They are perfect. Three goals, four, none against. A plus three goal difference. They are three points clear of Racing Club, who have six points. Estudiantes Merida have three, and Alianza Lima have none. Group G, Santos FC are top. They have seven points. Olimpia have five. Defensa y Justicia have three, and Delfin has a single point. And in Group H, we have Boca Juniors. They are top on seven points. Libertad, a second on six points. Caracas 
are third with four points, and Independiente by Medellin are bottom with no points right now. The top scorer in Copa Libertadores is Palmeiras Luis Adriano, while Carlos Ferreira of, of Libertad. Eduardo Salvio, my old buddy from Benfica, representing Boca Juniors and Everton Ribeiro, all have two goals. They they trail Luis Adriano at this time. Moving on to, to this week's matches in the Copa Libertadores. All right, Tuesday, September 22nd, Barcelona Guayaquil host Flamengo. Estudiantes Merida host Nacional de Montevideo. Tigre host Bolivar. B Nacional host River Plate. Uh, Junior Barranquilla host Independiente del Valle. And Liga de Quito host Sao Paulo. On the Wednesday, the 23rd, Atlético Paranaense hosts Colo Colo. Caracas hosts Libertad. Defensa y Justicia hosts Olimpia. Alianza Lima hosts Racing Club. América de Calle hosts Universidad Católica. Guarani hosts Palmeiras. And you have the Derby. You have the Porto Alegre Derby in Rio Grande do Sul, the city of Porto Alegre, near the Argentinian border. You have Inter versus Grêmio, the Derby Gaúcho, if you will, down in the land of the Gaúcho. Uh, it'll be a a very very animated match. Two bitter rivals for for bragging rights in that city. Um, it's it's not too often you get to play a derby match from a te- against a team in your own city in a continental competition. That'll be a very interesting match to catch. All these matches available on BN Sports here in the United States and on BN Sports Connect. We move to Thursday. Jorge Wiesterman versus Peñarol. Independiente Medellin versus Boca Juniors and Delphine versus Santos. That wraps it up for Copa Libertadores for this week. Of course, we'll have more on that next week on the next episode of this Park in the Bus podcast. Uh, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to go north of the border. We're going to go to Canada. As they have crowned a champion. All right, we'll be back with Mario Mata in the next segment. This is Parking the Bus, episode 13. You can follow the PTB Media Network on Twitter at PTB underscore media and on Instagram at the same PTB underscore media. This episode of Mr. Benfica on the PTB Media Network is brought to you by Better Than Dot Vegas. That's right, Better Than Dot Vegas. It's Better Than Vegas. Get Better. And welcome back to Parking the Bus, episode 13. Let's make a quick stop in the United States for Major League Soccer. All right. And if you're a fan of Major League Soccer, go over to our friends at Better Than Dot Vegas right, and place some bets on your favorite Major League Soccer team. You can go there right now and you can even see videos of our friend Leo from DGNs United there breaking some action down. That's Better Than Dot Vegas, okay? It's a great website. Go check it out and you can start winning some money right now there at Better Than Vegas BTV. Now, this week's Major League Soccer action. All right, we start on Friday night, the 18th, in the great Northwest in Cascadia. 
It's Seattle Sounders winning 3-0 at home to Los Angeles FC, LAFC, that is. We move to Saturday. Sporting Kansas City 2, FC Dallas 3. New England Revolution 0, New York City FC 0. Atlanta United continue to struggle. Atlanta 1, Inter Miami CF 2. Big win, big, big win for David Beckham's side on the road. And the road sides continue to succeed in the next match as it is FC Cincinnati visiting New York Red Bulls and getting all three points in a one nothing victory. Columbus Crew continue their form. They win 2-0 at home to Nashville SC. DC United and Toronto FC played with two-all draw while... Orlando City FC continue their role. 4-1 winners at home over Chicago Fire. Houston Dynamo draw 2-2 with Minnesota United. Real Salt Lake drop a home match 1-2 to Vancouver Whitecaps. LA Galaxy at home beaten 2-0 by Colorado Rapids. And one of the more lopsided results that I've seen in a long time in Major League Soccer. San Jose Earthquakes thumped at home 6-1 to by the visiting Portland Timbers. The winners of the MLS is back tournament. And going on today, we have one match today as my screen freezes. It'll be just a moment. And today's one match, September the 20th, we've got Philadelphia Union beating Montreal Impact 4 to 1 and this was a bit of a, a heavy result as the match would have been played here was played at Saputo Stadium and Philadelphia getting goals from Alejandro Bedoya, Casper Prisbinko with two and Anthony Fontana uh adding the fourth Montreal's goal came from Romel Kyoto. Montreal actually got ahead 1-0 in the 5th minute in the very same Romel Kyoto sent off in the 16th and everything spiraled downward from there. Staying in the United States, a full uh, weekend of action in NWSL. That's right, NWSL, the National Women's Soccer League, playing Friday Night, actually Saturday night, excuse me. North Carolina Courage, the defending league champions. Nil-nil draw to Orlando Pride. And then earlier today, we had Chicago Red Stars 4, Sky Blue FC 1, and Portland Thorns playing at home. 3-0 winners over the Utah Royals. Next week, we have more matches in the league as it's an abbreviated league and there's fewer matches, but next, when is the 26th there? We got the next round of matches, the 26th. Next Saturday, Chicago Red Stars host Washington Spirit. Utah Royals host OL Reign. And Houston Dash host Orlando Pride. So let's take a look now at the table in the in this fall series, as they're calling it. The NWSL Fall Series, two divisions, the Northeast and the South. So in the Fall Series Northeast here, we have, and we actually have a West also. My apologies. We'll start in the West. 
Fall Series West, NWSL, Portland Thorns with three points. They're the only ones with a win right now. Utah Royals with with no points and a loss. The Rain are no points because they haven't played yet. The Fall Series Northeast, Chicago Red Stars, three points from two matches. All three points, actually, all three teams, excuse me, have three points. Chicago Red Stars with a plus two goal difference, put them top. Washington Spirit are even, and Sky Blue FC have negative two points. While in the South, you have North Carolina Courage with four points from two matches, while Orlando Pride have one point from one match. And the Houston Dash have no points at this time. All right, now it's time to go north of the border. We're going to throw it to our friend Mario Mata up there in Canada, up in Ontario, where Canada has crowned a new champion. Mario, tell us all about it, my friend. And what you're hearing there is the celebrations as Forge FC are crowned Canadian Premier League champions, inaugural champions to back-to-back champions. This is Mario with the Park of the Bus bringing you a special coverage of the end of the Canadian Premier League. This past Saturday, we had the conclusion of this whole tournament with the Halifax Wanderers. It's coming to a loss against the current champions, Forge FC. Uh, one heck of a tournament uh, for the individuals that have been following the podcast. It has been tight back-to-back. Uh, really very little room to move or breathe within the whole tournament from the beginning league setup to the group stage. And even up until the final, the 60th minute, it was all tied up until Alexander did score that first goal for Forge. It continued to be a very tight affair, going back and forth. And in the 90th minute, Tissot from Forge FC had a screamer of a shot. Uh, However, it did bounce low. Looked like the keeper had it, to be honest. And it just was one of those situations where a funny bounce in front of the keeper and a shot that looked 99% of the time saveable wasn't resulting in a 2-0 at the 90th minute, effectively ending the Wanderers and basically the home crowd's uh, hopes of seeing a new champion this year. This does now lead us into the MLS sides, which have been competing against each other between Toronto FC, the Whitecaps, and the Montreal Impact. Last time we left off, there were a couple more games remaining, but TFC have sealed it. They will be the team going against Forge FC in the Canadian Voyagers Cup. So in terms of CONCACAF, for those individuals that are interested in those Continental Cups, the winner of the Canadian Premier League gets an instant qualification to the CONCACAF League itself. The winner of the Voyagers Cup gets a seed into the CONCACAF Champions League. So what this means is Forge FC, regardless of win or loss, are going to a CONCACAF tournament. It will be their second outing. Uh, they had an uh, impressive first outing last season 
and uh, depending on the situation if they do beat Toronto FC they've yet to clarify whether it be TFC or if it would be the Halifax Wanderers getting the CONCAF League spot either way a lot of exciting times to come and a lot of great stories and I did want to touch on just a couple you know and the, the whole point of this league itself for Canada for the individuals that are from outside the the country looking in having a properly structured league is giving tons of players that might have been at the end of their ropes a second chance at the sport and having them revive their careers and see so uh, that scored the final goal of this game was one of those stories he had played for the Ottawa Fury uh, which had played in the US system USL uh, and then once the Ottawa Fury had wrapped up this past year he was out of a club and uh, to be honest from his own interview he had mentioned that it looked like his days of playing the sport were done he was uh, 27 turning on 28 at the time and um, for a lot of individuals in many leagues from many nationalities there's always a home base to fall back on and Canada having their own league gave them this opportunity and one heck of a signing they signed him in July of this year and he's sure the payoff in the final uh, which was quite impressive um, there was a series of other stories that basically came out throughout the uh, game which is very very exciting Babuli was one of those other stories that took place at Forge this year. Uh, this individual had had a, um, an experienced background, had played at Toronto FC uh, for quite some time on the, the second team, then the main team over a couple of years. Uh, and again, similar, uh, later in age, uh, looking at his um, options, he started kind of wanting to be back home and before the Canadian Premier League fully got started up he decided to go in and actually play indoor futsal uh, which he uh, did like playing uh, with the Metro Stars uh, an affiliation with the old Toronto team that had played in the NSAL many years ago with Uzebu the uh, legendary player that had won Canada's first major title in North America uh, he had then gone to a Ukrainian team for a small stint where he played about um, four games nine goals which was quite impressive before coming to Forge in August of 2020, right before this tournament. So some of these last-minute pickups that Forge did pick up did actually uh, result in some great results. He uh, got a critical goal throughout this tournament, played nine games in total, and uh, it's these opportunities that this league has offered uh, both young and old Canadians, which has people excited uh, to see what other talents will be resurrected and what other future talents will arrive. So looking forward now, um, we will keep you posted on the details of the Toronto FC versus Forge FC matchup. The Canadian Premier League is yet to announce a date and time. The commissioner was out this weekend saying he has spoken with the Canadian Federation. Uh, the primary issue being with the bubble down south um, and the Canadian teams not being able to come north of the border. With the quarantining restrictions, they can actually come up, but the challenge is they'd have to wait a set period of time before they can line up the matches, and there are still these MLS games on the go, so it's trying to find this wedge where you can take a few weeks off to conduct this game. Uh, the biggest challenge is that Toronto FC is right now playing competitive matches. Uh, Forge FC were also playing quite a bit of competitive matches, and as we all know about this sport, if you stop playing competitive matches, it's okay for a couple of weeks, but as the weeks go on, it will be a disadvantage for Forge FC if this does last a prolonged period of time uh, with them not playing games so hopefully the league does come out with a date 
if the date is further out, which would disadvantage Forge FC, I hope they can at least line up some friendlies and some other practice matches to kind of keep that game fitness in place so we have a competitive final. Um, now to look over back on the tournament itself and kind of basically take a look at the stats and how this whole tournament shaped up. I know I had talked about uh, this throughout the various past shows, but this will be see conclude it all, uh, and I would start off with the clean sheets. Uh, the main one was actually Forge FC's Henry, um, so the champions had the most clean sheets throughout this tournament, and continuing with the champion-type field in terms of defenders, interceptions, it was Daniel from Forge FC with 34 interceptions, the next player only had 25, so quite impressive, and so it was that clean sheet and defensive setup that allowed Forge to kind of carry through this uh, tournament as a whole. Uh, in terms of passes, it would go to Dominic out of Calvary with uh, 175 passes made throughout this uh, miniature tournament. Uh, the newcomers, Aletico Ottawa, uh, did show up on the final stat sheet with the number of saves. Uh, and they're being their goalkeeper, yes, a newer team, which then allowed a lot more shots. And he did his best to stand up, and uh, everyone expected them to come last, and they didn't. They actually were in the running in, up until the final day of that group stage to make it into that final group. So uh, very impressive on them. The runners-up of this tournament um, had the most goals from one individual, Garcia. He had scored six goals as a forward, uh, followed up by uh, Marcos out of Pacific, who came second with five goals. Um, Halifax was a force we reckon with throughout this uh, whole tournament. From a, a team perspective, they did actually uh, achieve... Uh, 15 goals, only behind Pacific with 16 and 419, so they're a good collective unit. And then the final roundup for an individual would be Marco uh, from Pacific. He had basically the most assists, three assists in this tournament. There was a ton of individuals with two assists right below him. And then he was uh, basically tied for first with Garcia for 19 shots. Uh, obviously, Garcia getting the extra goal put him ahead of the tournament itself. Um, but yeah, overall, it was a, a great uh, tournament as a collective. There, again, it wasn't many games. Uh, but, you know, you look at Forge, having played 11 games, 19 goals. Uh, Pacific, 10 games because they were in the final, 16 goals. The Wanderers are 15. Calvary of 14. It, it basically, you're averaging um, for all the teams of the eight teams, either one or more goal per game. Edmonton coming dead last was 0.7 goals per game. Uh, but outside of that fun league, it didn't have any games without any goals whatsoever uh, lots of action lots of fun very competitive and so now we just await the details of that upcoming final uh, before we kick off and once we do I will uh, come back on the park and the bus to give an update on that tournament itself hopefully we get some information sooner than later uh, so for now we're in the waiting mill um, and also kind of waiting in the woodwork and as the second season has completed is the talks of a third season I know we're early on uh, however, this is a brand new league with high aspirations of expansion. Uh, right now, there is a club out of Barrie, uh, which has been um, having a sports group for quite some time and basically um, uh, giving the 
inclination or message as of this weekend that it looks like they may be entering the Canadian Premier League this upcoming season, if not the following season, so they're waiting for official confirmation. I'd be out of Barrie, Ontario. For those who don't know geography in Canada, that is just north of Toronto in cottage country. Um, the other major team will be out of Saskatchewan. Uh, for those who would not believe it, in the middle of Canada, where you could get some temperatures in the winter that does get as close to the warmest temperatures on Mars, and that's not a lie, it's actually, I've traveled out there myself. Um, they actually have a massive uh, footballing uh, soccer academy there. Um, the Vancouver Whitecaps for a very long time ran their entire youth program out of Saskatoon. Uh, very interesting uh, prairie province, what a huge sports culture. Um, the uh, Saskatoon does seem to be the city in running, uh, but just their southern neighbors in the same province, Regina, um, are the hosts of the Rough Riders to the Canadian Football League, um, which is a competitor to the NFL here in Canada. Uh, and that franchise itself, believe it or not, uh, for many years would only come second in merchandise sales to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So you'd think it'd be the Montreal Habs. Uh, or any of the other major sports franchises like the Toronto Blue Jays, the Raptors, and things of the sort. Um, but for many years, it was the Rough Riders, uh, so just because the locals support them like mad. So um, it would be great to kind of see another sport team uh, on a competitive level show up in that province because it would have an amazing backing. And as those details unfold and we get some more details of this upcoming schedule, we'll be back on here to provide you an update. Again, for myself and everyone involved with the Parking the Bus program, really appreciate all the support you guys have given us and uh, look forward to bringing you more updates and news from all around the world. So congratulations to Forge FC. Once again, CPL champions. Second year in a row. They are back-to-back, and now they await Toronto FC in the Voyagers Cup. Thank you, Mario, for that report. Thank you for the report each and every week. And we look forward to hearing about the Voyagers Cup final when that match or match is. I believe it's played over two legs. Will finally be played as um as he said in the report there there's still some some logistical issues that will have to be worked out but certainly congratulations not just to Forge FC but to the entire CPL for pulling it off for getting a season for getting a season started and completed with no stoppages all right it can't be easy much like MLS is back uh the CPL was played in a quote-unquote bubble. They were on Prince Edward Island on the east coast of Canada. Uh, many of them a long way from home, and they they played it in a tournament style. But it will go down in the history books as Season 2 of the Canadian Premier League and Forge FC. Once again, the champions at the very least, they're headed to the CONCACAF League, and now they're going to play TFC for a chance to go to the CONCACAF Champions League, which would be a huge, huge step for not just for 
them for the Forge themselves, or for Forge FC, I shouldn't say the Forge, for Forge as for Canadian football as a whole um, to send a CPL team into that competition. The Canadian teams have done well in the in the CONCACAF Champions League. If you remember, uh, both both Toronto FC and Montreal Impact have recently gone to finals. And, um, you know, they... They get more support than the American teams do in this competition. I believe, and this might offend some people, but I believe that the Canadian fan is a bit more sophisticated. Okay, um, I've I've always enjoyed. You know, Mario talks about about you know these players finally having a place to play, and how the CPL is is a is a place for players to rescue their careers. Well. When I was involved in the USL and in the PDL, and when we were every time we traveled to Canada, I have to say the Canadian clubs were a plus, you know, top notch in terms of facilities, in terms of hosting. They always took care of everything. All the T's were crossed, all the I's were dotted. The locker rooms were always impeccable. The showers were always working, and that can't be said for all of the American clubs. And we always played at top rate facilities. The teams, the clubs are always much better supported by their communities than than 99% of the American clubs, okay? I've always thought that Canada, in a CONCACAF uh, context, has always been a sleeping giant and... Now they've got their own league, so they're only gonna they're only gonna widen that that base, and I think they're gonna I think you're gonna see them emerge as a top four nation in Concacaf. I think they're gonna outrun most of the Central American and Caribbean countries now, and they're gonna push and challenge the United States and Mexico for dominance in the region over the course of the next decade or so. I think you could see that power shift become a race of three versus two. Um, again. In terms of professionalism, in terms of 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 logistics, I mean, going to Canada was always always a step up in that department versus a step back. Um, and you know what, the fans always seemed very uh, soccer savvy, very educated. And I just remember playing against Ottawa Fury on a night when the Ottawa Senators, the hockey team, were playing the Montreal Canadiens. In a game seven of the NHL playoffs, I believe that's who they were playing, and we had a couple thousand still watching, you know, the Boston victory take on the Ottawa uh, Fury, and I remember their supporters section and just being in the match the whole game, and at at that level, that was really something special. So I really think that the support is there, and I think the league's doing well, and the fact that it's it's going that is is huge that they were able to get this season up, running, and completed. Hats off to everybody at the CPL. Hats off, of course. To Forge FC, congratulations, champions again. All right, without further ado, let's move to the next portion of this show. And we are going to the Sunday Night Sports Show. Leo Kukakis is here. And this is the Sunday Night Sports Book, (laughs) powered by betonline.ag. That's right, betonline.ag. Go right there. Go there now, I should say, and open your first bet, bet slip at betonline.ag. Here is the Sunday night sportsbook with Leo Kukakis and myself discussing Bundesliga, Serie A, Premier League, and Greek Super League. (laughs) 
And welcome back to the Parking the Bus podcast. It's episode 13, and it's now time for the Sunday Night Sportsbook, powered by betonline.ag, with our guest tonight, as always, from DGENs United. It is Leo Kukakis. Leo, what's up, brother? What up, Capitano? How we feeling today, baby? Oh, it's great. I'm feeling great. How are you? How you doing this weekend? It's been a tough weekend, bro. <laughs> it's been a tough weekend. It's funny because we, we just lost in some terrible ways, some tough ways, some bad bets, some just just some overall bad luck overall. But you know what? I looked at the numbers. We're doing all right today. So hopefully we that's can come through clutch. <laughs> Sunday night football, that's what we're looking for. We get Sunday night football to go our way, and it's been a solid week. So all no right. complaints. Excellent. Excellent. Great to hear. Let's get started in Bundesliga this week. How's that sound? I love it, baby. All right, we're going to first game, Friday night. Who else? The champs doing what they do best. My goodness. Bayern Munich, eight, Schalke, nil. Any thoughts? Shall I get started? (laughs) I'll give you – let's talk about it. Uh, Man of the match, Serge Gnabry, one of your favorites. Nonsense. I love Gnabry. I love Gnabry (laughs) at West Brom. I loved when uh, Gnabry was able to tell Tony Kulis to eat it in the Champions League final. However, we need to stop the nonsense. Player of the match. The player that Bayern got on a bargain for 40 million euros from Manchester City, Leroy Sané. All right. Let's, uh, I'll run down. Here's Bayern's 11. Manuel Neuer's in goal. They got, a, they got four in the back. Benjamin Pavard, uh, Nicolas Sula, Jerome Boateng, and Lucas Hernandez. Now. Two holding mids, Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka. We've talked before about how underrated both of these guys are. Mm-hmm. And now this this three-man attacking midfield monster. It's an absolute monster. Thomas Mueller in the middle with Leroy Sané to one side and Serge Gnabry to the other, all sitting behind, you know, only Robert Lewandowski. The Ballon d'Or winner. How the heck do you defend against this team if you are Schalke? Let's be honest here. You're- you hire Otto Rehago. You uh, you find the you find the guys from 2004. You have him organize 11 guys behind the ball and hope for the best. So you started to talk about Leroy Sané. You want to talk about him? Let's let's do that. Uh, your first impression of Leroy Sané playing for Bayern Munich and how he fits with everybody else. It, it kills me to watch it because you know I said it uh, many many times over the last few years that Leroy Sané and Raheem Sterling are the engine that makes Manchester City go. For those of you that are new to the program, I am a Manchester City guy. Um, losing Leroy Sané absolutely killed me inside. He's one of my favorite players. He's just he, – he possesses everything. He can – he has incredible speed. He's one of the fastest players in the world. He can cross the ball without a problem. Um, he can go one-on-one against defenders. He has no problem beating them. He can uh, crush free kicks. He has no problem. He is the complete player. Uh, kills me to see him go. So happy to see him back after that knee injury. It was beautiful to watch him play, um, especially that first goal in the second half when he just out sprints everybody, taps it around the goalie. Uh, just, just beautiful stuff from Leroy. I, I, he's one of my favorite players in the world. He really is complete player, fantastic player. Uh, deserves all the best. And we, we, I touched on Serge Gnabry hat trick for Serge in this one. You, you said last season in that Champions League uh, Elite Eight. Uh, stage, how important he was and how deadly he can be. We saw it, you know, on display here. And Mueller and Lewandowski also with the goal. What a no team. surprise there. Lewandowski, 
Lewandowski, the best striker in the world, the best pure goal scorer in the world, not not necessarily the best player, best pure goal scorer that we've seen in a very, very long time. Him and Luis Suarez, uh, probably two of the most underrated players in the world. Um, Suarez kind of dipped off. Lewandowski just keeps getting better and better and better. Thomas Muller continues to age, but he continues to produce. Unbelievable, he, isn't it? He just finds himself in the right spots, and I love watching him too because he's not the best at anything. No, he's you're right. popping up at the right spot. You look at him, and you don't think this guy can should be any good. Yeah, you look at him, and he kind of <laughs> looks like the grandpa from Hey Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, just great stuff from him. Uh, every time I watch him, he impresses me, pops up in the right spot. And then, uh, you know, Gadabri, like you were just talking about, flying up and down the wing, ends up with a hat trick. He's another guy that just keeps getting better and better and better and just fire and looks like a juggernaut already. Yeah, I mean, they're going to go into the first week leaders on goal difference, and yeah. they may not they may not squander first place all season. They may sit there all season. Remember the last two seasons, they gave Dortmund and company a head start. <laughs> Remember, they <laughs> fell behind by eight points last season or more before just deciding that, okay, the time to play was over and it was time to get down to business, and they didn't lose again and end up winning the league by, you know, a mile. Do you think the loss of Thiago is going to hurt them at all? If this game's any indication, no. Um, in Champions League, I think we might we might notice that a little bit more. And uh, yeah, that that's just what what uh, Liverpool needed, wasn't it? Brutal, man. <laughs> brutal. They got him. They got uh, they got your boy Diogo Yota. Yeah, I, I I almost think that that's a bit of an ambitious move for him. The year before a Euro, he may find himself. Not playing many minutes this year, and I'm a little concerned now. We've talked about this off the air. It always amazes me when I see these young players making these kind of moves because it doesn't make sense. I mean, except you're in the that. prime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's more money, but you're in the yeah. prime of your career, especially for a guy like Diogo Yota. I mean, Wolves is an up-and-coming team. They're getting better and better and better. If you can continue to produce, you're going to get a big money signing from a team that has a spot for you. You would think, you know? yeah. So, I mean, you look at it, and it's kind of like, all right, you kind of just cashed in. Here's my problem with it. Who is he going to replace on that team? I mean, wh where is Diego Jota going to fit into that three-man front line? The uh, maybe best the three-man. Exactly, my point exactly. At, at Wolves, he was a key guy. Yeah. Week in, week out. I don't know. Well, it, it's kind of like what happened with Coutinho when he went to Barcelona, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think Klopp, I think Klopp nailed it back then when he said, "If you stay at Liverpool, we're gonna build a statue for you. If you go to Barcelona, you're just another guy there." Exactly, and I think that's you know, that's that's uh, my feelings here on, on that move. I mean, you can't hate on a guy for wanting to play for Liverpool and probably, you know, quadruple his salary or whatever. But yeah. from a football sense, uh, I, it worries me because I don't see where he's gonna get minutes on that team. Right, I completely agree. So we'll move on in the Bundesliga to Saturday's matches. Cologne 2, Hoffenheim 3, Eintracht Frankfurt 1, Armenia Bielefeld 1, Union Berlin 1, Augsburg 3. Stuttgart returned to the Bundesliga with a 2-3 loss to Freiburg. Werder Bremen 1, Hertha Berlin 4. And then the, the key match yesterday, it should have been a, a close one, but it Kind of worked out a little differently. It's Bohusia Dortmund, three. Uh, Bohusia Mochengladbach, nil. Giovanni Reyna with a goal and an assist in this one. The yeah, I thought young Giovanni American. 
Giovanni played really well. Yeah. Um, the guy that I looked at, though, that really sh- um, shined the most for me was Bellingham in the middle mm-hmm. of the pitch. This kid's 17 years old. He's one of the best talents that nobody knows about right now. Uh, he played for Birmingham last year. This kid has immense talent. Dortmund is the perfect place for him to go and grow as a player, as we see with most young players. It's uh, amazing. That end up in Dortmund. I give that kid two, three years, and he's going to be a big money move. Uh, I think he's going to be better than Jaden Sancho. He is. He has all the talent in the world. He has all the tricks in the book. 17 years old, starts. He had a fantastic match on Saturday. Um, overall, Dortmund looked really good. I don't consider Dortmund to be threats to the title just because, again, they're kind of stuck in this loop where they're young kids. They don't necessarily have the depth. They don't necessarily have the mentality developed yet. Yeah. Um, to really challenge a team like Bayern Munich for the title or make any type of real inroads in Champions League. Yeah, they're missing. They're missing. You know, they could use a little more experience in the team. I mean, they do got, they do got Axel Witzel, who's got a lot of experience. But they're a very young team from front, from back to front. And uh, this is a team. If they manage something, they won't. But if they manage to keep this team together for say five years. Five years from now, this this Borussia Dortmund team is gonna be would be unbeatable. But you know they'll all be on bigger clubs by then, or on on buying yeah. clubs versus being at a selling club. But what an ability Dortmund have to go find these teenagers! They just keep coming up with more teenagers. I mean, like you just but, said Bellingham. This guy comes out of where was he? Birmingham City's academy. Yeah, Birmingham yeah. City. Yeah, seventeen years old. They pull Jaden Sancho. You want to go back to Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna. It's like they go get these guys. They they identify them so well as Don't teenagers. About Holland. Ha- Erling Holland, exactly. They they find these guys as teenagers, and the reason I mentioned the other guys was because they they sign them as youth players and move them through the system through the last phase of the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holland they already signed as a somewhat finished player, a professional. But yeah, including him, they just know how to find these young players and how to put them in the first team and set them up to succeed in the first team. A right. lot of teams try this, and, and these kids get burned. Yeah, I mean, like you just said, a lot of teams do try it. A lot of teams are unsuccessful. I, I don't think the Borussia Dortmund get enough credit for being the best-selling club in the mm-hmm. world. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really what they are. They're the number one selling club in the world. They yeah, they're like cultivators. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. They buy I mean, a like, seed, they plant it, and they sell the, the plant. They sell the finished product. I mean, look at the top four. Look at the four guys that they had playing up front. Mm-hmm. Bellingham, we just talked about, yeah. 17 years old. Gio Reyna, what is he, 18? Or no, 18 he's or 17. Nine. He's 17 still. That's he's amazing. still 17. <laughs> Two 17-year-olds playing in a Bundesliga <laughs> That's game. That's unheard of. In a derby match between Borussia Dortmund right. and uh, Gladbach. I mean, exactly. that, and both guys play ridiculously well. And then you have Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho's 20 years old. Well, he's an and old man. And then you got Holland, who just turned 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah are- I mean... On this team, they're old. It's like <laughs> your four-star players are under the age of twenty-one years yeah. old. They can't have a drink in America if they come over for a preseason Correct. tournament. Correct. I, I mean, at some point, you just put your hands up, and then you still you lose track of other guys like Akanji, Zagadu, the guys that are playing defense that just continue to get better and better and better for Borussia Dortmund. And it's like, what what's the secret? What what the hell have they got that everybody else can't figure out? Yeah, and you know, year after year. And, you know, listeners have heard me rave about Bayern Munich since the restart, right? Bayern Munich, I love the way they play, but the, the club I want to see win and the club I want to see succeed in Germany is Dortmund. 
And year after year, it's like, ah, oh, this is it. We've got the team this year. Not we, but you know what I mean by saying yeah. They got the team this year. And then somewhere, you know, that youth catches up to them. It had a phase in the season where they start dropping results after result. And they lose contact with, with Bayern at the front of the, at the, front of the, the table. Every year, it seems to it line seems up to happen. Yeah, One versus two. And everybody's like, this is it. Dorman's going to win. Right. Dorman's going to do it. Next thing you know, you have Josh Kimmich chipping the goalie from 30 yards away. Right. You're like, all right. And then yeah, right. you saw the way it played out after that. They were crushed. Yeah. I mean, and Ur- just... this, was it last season or the one before? Was the same thing. I think Dortmund goes in in first place, and they're drummed 5-0 by Bayern. And that yeah. was the end. <laughs> that was literally they never caught him again. Just, it's tough to watch, man, because you know what? Dortmund's one of those teams. They're one of those clubs. They have the most amazing fan base in the world. They really um, do, yeah. You know, it, it's really hard to see them just get so close every year and fail miserably mm-hmm. toward the end. But. It really is. And, you know, again, it, it's the interest for me in the Bundesliga is the story is how long can Dortmund hold on for? And can anyone dethrone Bayern Munich? That is at the end of the year. That's well, the right main now, story. But this league is just fun to watch. And I, I love the style of play because yeah. it's always pressing forward. It's yeah, it's I agree. the most underrated player, uh, underrated league in the world. Yeah. These I, guys that – I would say I think it's the most entertaining league to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Premier League gets a lot more publicity. The Premier – here's the thing people don't always uh, understand – the, the fact that the Premier League is, is England and everyone can pronounce the names of the clubs really makes a difference around the world because the, most of the biggest TV markets in the world are English-speaking. United right. States, Australia, you know, that's just for two, those two places alone. You know, India, parts of India, they're not primarily English, but they consume a lot of English-speaking media. Mm-hmm. It, there's, the amount of people in those countries is enormous, and they flock to the – Premier League to where they say that no league in any other English speaking nation can compete with the Premier League for for coverage for exposure because in the English speaking world everyone has a favorite team in the Premier League yeah it's totally true I mean even some of the soccer heads that I talk to around here and they're like oh the Premier League this mm-hmm. Premier like man you watch the Premier League in and out week in week out I mean yeah it's really good it's one of the best sure. leagues in the world it does not compare to to the Bundesliga. Like, if you watch the quality in the Bundesliga and you take the lower teams from the Bundesliga and you put them, yeah, against I them agree. Really, there's no there's no competition. The, the quality, the style of play, and another thing. This is why Germans Germany's national team has been so good for so long. Exactly. There is a certain style of play, and they all play it. Correct, and there is no room for error. This is how we're going to play. You're going to coach here. You're going to coach this style. You can pick your formation. This is how you're doing it, though. Yeah, but you're not coming here to play a completely different game. They're not going to tolerate it. I mean, Germany has the perfect setup. They have the unity right there for uh, Joaquin Lowe that says, this is how we're going to play. You have the the European giants in Bayern Munich. You have the developers in Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. You have a really competitive Bundesliga 2, which we watched all the time at work while we yeah. were in the office. It's a great league. Oh. <laughs> what oh, are you man, talking I miss, about? <laughs> I miss those 12-30 matchups on a Monday. Oh, man, those were so much fun. <laughs> so uh, We're talking about Dortmund, a team with great support. I know fans aren't part of the, the picture right now. Let's go to a team with absolutely no fan support, RB Leipzig. 
Great football. Very little support because, well, they're a creation of Red Bull. But they pick up. Uh, they start off. Yeah, they they pick up a a victory to start off the season. Remember, no Timo Werner, but still plenty of talent in that team. Uh, three to one over Mainz and Wolfsburg nil. Bayer Leverkusen nil. So we look at the table now, and we've already got Bayern up top, like I said, and then you got Hertha Berlin, Dortmund, Augsburg. Leipzig, Freiburg, and Hoffenheim. Seven teams won out of out of the ten matches. Is it ten or nine? There's 18 teams. So out of the nine matches, you had seven winners. In a lot of leagues, you get three or four winners, and you get like ten teams that drew in the first week. So that's a good indication also. Um, this is going to be a fun – I think it's going to be a fun season to follow this league. Uh, Leipzig's hungry to get into that top – that top echelon, along with Dortmund, they're always trying to catch Bayern. Of course, it's it's a it's who's going to catch Bayern is the story, and is it? Yeah, I mean, him? Leipzig had a good run at them last year, but this team just isn't as good. I'm just kind of running through the starting yeah. eleven for them. Uh, Galiski, uh, perfectly fine goalie. Um, Klosterman, Upamancano, Halstenberg. I mean, that's a good back line there, but you have Klosterman, who's naturally a right back. Halstenberg, naturally a left back. Right. You have them playing as two of the three guys in the as center back. So, I mean, that's that's less than ideal. Then you have Amadou Haidara. You get a lot of transfer rumors around him. You wonder how committed he's going to be. He did score a goal today, but yep. you don't know what you're going to get from him. Then you have the Pats Angelino, who absolutely sucks. <laughs> Then in the middle of the pitch, you do Kevin have Campbell. Kevin Campbell. You got a lot of talent there. And then, of course, the young American, Tyler, Tyler Adams. Adams. Now, the one player that I'm looking at here that actually didn't start today is going to be Nkuku. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love him. He's a young kid. He's got a lot of pace. He's got a lot of skill, a uh, ton of energy. He's the type yeah. of kid yeah. that give him another year under the system. He may be the kid that's going to explode next Um as a number 10, possibly a small number nine. Mm-hmm. But I really, really like that kid's talent. He's the next big star out of RB Leipzig, I think. Yeah, and, you, and then in front of them, you got Daniel Olmo, Emil Forsberg, and Yusef Paulson. You know, good quality players. And they got a good manager. I'm a big fan of Ulian Nagelsmann. Um, young, he's younger than I am. I think that's freaking, that says something right there. But he's a... He's a manager with a huge future. I think the next move for him is going to be to a real big club. But if he can, if he can build a team that can, that can really contend for this title, that can really be there at the end, I think he can. All of these players can really secure themselves with a, with a move to to a life changing club, if you will. I completely agree with you, but I just don't think that this is the year for them. I mean, I don't think it's this year either necessarily. It's a project right now. Yeah. I, I can see it maybe two, three years if they can keep the same guys, but yeah. it's very similar to Dortmund. Can they keep yeah. the same group together? Right. right. Okay, so that that's Germany. Let's go to Italy. The Serie A started this weekend. I'm going to bring up the results right now here on on my screen. And um, I'll we'll stay on the topic of Americans. Weston McKinney starting today, playing 90 minutes for Juventus. I watched the game. He played well. Uh, really interesting to see a young American going from a team that nearly got relegated in Germany to the Italian champions. And uh, so here's the results in Serie A this weekend. Started yesterday, Fiorentina 1, Torino 0, Elas Verona 0, Roma 0. Today we had Parma 0, Napoli 2, Genoa 4, 
Crotone, one. Sassuolo, one. Cagliari, one. And then Juventus, three. Sampdoria, nil, with Milan and Bologna to play tomorrow. Um, yeah, so I'll go back to this Juve game. I'll, I'll read you the – it was Pirlo's first official match as a manager. And uh, <laughs> believe it or not, he, did, he was the B-team manager or the U23s just long enough to get hired, to get promoted. Literally, he had uh, nine days in charge. And uh, <laughs> let's uh, do the lineup here. All right, so you had Chesney in goal. They went with three at the back today. All right, they went with Danilo, Leonardo, Bonucci, and Giorgio Chiellini. Five in midfield, Juan Cuadrado, Aaron Ramsey, Adrian Rabio, Weston McKinney, and Gianluca Frabotta. Up front, Dejan Kubulevsky and Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, goals by Kubulevsky, Bonucci, and Cristiano Ronaldo. So, McKinney got himself sort of an assist. I like uh, what I consider an assist. He, it was on a uh, corner kick. Um, him and Bonucci actually went up for the same header trying to – and what happened was they headed the ball off each other, which dropped it right there. So, McKinney got a – Got a foot to it. The goalkeeper saved it, but it fell right to Bonucci, who put it in. So, and then Ronaldo had a had his at the very end. Um, big game for Aaron Ramsey today. He was the man of the match. Fatmov has got him at an eight point seven rating. He had a couple of assists. Um, a different. It's a much higher tempoed Juventus team. So they they made mention of it on ESPN uh, Plus. It was um, Matteo Matteo Bonetti was the uh, commentator, and he's talking about how under Saudi you had a, a, a Juventus team that liked to sit back, that liked to to be patient and to wait. Under Pirlo, this they picked it up and they went after it right from the beginning. They actually played a better first half than they did the second half, despite getting two goals in the second half. But um, you know they they really took it to Sampdoria. A good way to start the season, three 0 You can never complain about that as the start. But um, I really think this is the year Serie A is going to be competitive until the end. I don't know. What do you think for this season? I think Inter is going to be there all season. Inter is the one team that I can see that could compete. That, that's where I think the race is. I think it's probably a two-team race, but I think it's going to go right to the last day. Every Every other team, no chance. Inter... Potentially. We talked about it a few weeks ago. If they're able to keep Lukaku, they're able to mm-hmm. keep Laturo, they're able to keep Conte, are they going to be able to compete? I think that they will be able to. I still like Juve. Uh, really, the signing, though, that really not a whole lot of people have talked about is this kid uh, that started right next to Ronaldo today, uh, Dejan Kovalevsky. Um, Kovalevsky. Yeah. He played last year for Parma. He ends up scoring 10 goals and 36 starts. Mm-hmm. Very, very talented young man, 20 years old. And he had one today already. Yeah, I mean, he's a top-notch player. I love what Juve is trying to do. They're trying to get younger. They're trying to get better while still having the old guys there like Bonucci, Chiellini. Uh, they still had, I believe, Guarda, um, Quadrado, Quadrado yeah. on the right-hand side. Yeah, he's playing down the right. And then in the middle of the pitch, you still have the young guys. I still consider Rabio to be relatively young. You got Weston McKinney, the young American. But then again, up top, you have one young guy. In, uh, one I'm experienced guy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Juve, very, very good at transitioning. They're kind of sort of like Bayern Munich on a lesser scale because they don't really do it on Europe, in Europe. But they're very, very good at intertwining the young kids with the older mm-hmm. players. Yeah, and they, they had, I think they said, four injuries. So, Paulo Dybala was injured. Um, mm-hmm. You were missing uh, Mat- Matthias Delict. 
So you had some key guys out also. So that team right. is going to get better. Right. It, they were also missing Alexandro and Bernadeschi today that's as well. That's right. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, Alexandro and Bernadeschi. That's right. So, I mean, this is a league I'm obviously going to watch and I'm going to keep an eye on. But uh, So you don't think Atalanta is going to be in the race this year? No, no, I really think that Atalanta is going to drop off. This isn't a very – they're really entertaining to watch. They really are. They're a joy to watch, but they're not, they're not that good. They, mm-hmm. Even last year, you know, they're the type of team that got hot. They got a couple good draws. They got a couple good bounces along the way. They were never really in it for the title. I mean, they got hot toward the end of the year. Yeah, they ended up one game away or one point away, I think. That, from, was, in, that was Inter. No, no, no. They, they finished oh. right behind Inter. It, going yeah. into the last game of the year. It was you're two right, versus right. three. Inter ended yeah. up winning. Uh, yeah. I don't think Atalanta's going to do a lot of things this year. I think they're going to benefit really from a down year in Serie A. Uh, Napoli is definitely weaker. Roma, Roma look absolutely horrible right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope AC Milan. AC Milan is the team I look at. I just... You want to see them back in the picture? Yeah, man. They're one of those teams that just... I grew up watching them. I loved Pirlo. I loved Gattuso. Gattuso was one of my favorite players. Oh, what a number six. And, you know, Zlatan right now, still my favorite player in the world. I love that dude. I don't care how old he gets. The Lions don't compare themselves to humans. That is my dude. <laughs> I, I just, every time he steps on the field, it's just like my heart gets warm and fuzzy, and I'm like, let's go. Like, I could have money on the opposite team, and if Zlatan beats me, <laughs> and you know, I'm so okay with it. A lot of people probably forget Pirlo made his name at Milan. A lot of people remember him at Juve, and he was long before that. He was he was a staple in a Milan team with with Kaká, Rui Costa, with Gattuso, Inzaghi, with Inzaghi Sevchenko, mm-hmm. Maldini, you know, uh, Alessandro Nesta. Speaking of those guys, did you see uh, did you see the picture of Maldini and uh, Shevchenko wearing the AC Milan jerseys the other day? I did not. Jesus Christ, they look old. <laughs> oh, man. That was the first time I looked at them and I said, my God, I'm Ooh, old. You want to know You know something? That, uh, earlier this week for Mr. Benfica, I did a flashback episode where I watched the 1990, what's now the Champions League final, and it was Benfica and AC Milan. Paolo Maldini was the starting left back in 1990, 30 years ago. Jesus Christ, we're old. Carlo Ancelotti was starting in the number in the in the holding midfield role for Milan. It was it was no it was, way. It was so cool to see that. Yeah, it was unreal. Speaking of Ancelotti, how about Everton this weekend, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Nice little team. Are they gonna make a run to the top four? You want to go to England? Yeah, man. Let's, let's, let's go to the England. Premier League then. Yeah. And uh, oh, by the way. Yeah. Fun little rant right here. Hey, NBCSN. What the hell? Can you put a damn game on the screen, please? What the? I shouldn't have to be searching all over the place for Chelsea and Liverpool. It should be NBCSN or NBC. I'm sick of this peacock nonsense. Well, welcome to the new normal, like they say, Leo. This is the future. Streaming is where this game is going. We're gonna have to get used to it. Um, you know, as a fan of of the UFC, I'm used to paying to watch things, so I guess I'm less put off by it. But or maybe just because I listened to World Soccer Talk every week, I knew this was coming. But, um, yeah, the, a lot of key matches are going to be on Peacock this year. Uh, listeners um, need to be aware of that. If you're expecting to see it over the air on TV, you're going to get some matches because um, well, 
let, I'll use this now to talk about it. Last week, we're going to go back last week because this is a big story, and I wanted to get your opinion, Leo. NBC, over the air, okay, Channel 7 here in, in Boston, okay? Well, actually, NBC 10 now in Boston. They put Liverpool versus Leeds. That was the highest-rated game in, like, seven seasons on NBC. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it doesn't surprise me, man. And it was like tailor made to be the opener, wasn't it? The the champion against the the championship champion, if you will. And yeah. people I think underestimate just how how big Leeds' following is. Yeah, I mean people forget that they were they were European giants for a long they time. Were, they were right there. They were in the semifinals, you know, with guys like Rio Ferdinand and um you know, Mark Viduka, and, you know, I can go down the, li- the list of Jonathan Woodgate. They had names of players that, you know, they were on the verge of getting to a Champions League final before everything went, went sour. They overspent, and then they went, they went bust. But yeah. they were very close, yeah. So here's very, the results. And they were yeah. – and it wasn't like a one-off type of – No, no, they were good, they were for, good for, for years. And they had a solid run in the 60s and 70s also, and then they flattened out a little bit. They were the last champions of the English First Division before the creation of the Premier League. Right. That's, you know, and then Eric Cantona went to Manchester United and everything changed. (laughs) But so here's our results in the Premier League this weekend. We got Everton 5-2 over West Brom, Leeds 4-3 over Fulham. I watched this one on Peacock. Yep, uh... The Parking the Bus <laughs> Network is paying a subscription to Peacock. That's right, NBC. That's I, right, folks. Uh, I'll it's take boost to me too, everybody. <laughs> Man United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> I say this as a fallen away United supporter. United won Crystal Palace three. I, enough said. How do you feel? You see my uh, reaction. I did, I did, but uh, I'd like uh, exactly how I felt when people got carried away thinking that they were going to be contenders this season, just because they went on a little run when they brought in Bruno Fernandes last season. Okay, you need a team, and I'm sorry when Paul Pogba's in your team, that team is ready to to explode at any time. That's just my my view of him. I don't have a very favorable view of that player. Um, I you think don't like he Pogba? no, he he quits all the time. And with him really? goes the rest of the team. Yes, he sunk Jose Mourinho because he got into he got into it with him, and I think he's horrible in terms of leadership. I think he's a brilliant player. He's got great talent, but I think he can quickly turn into a cancer in the locker room. And um, I'm not shocked that they they got you know as soon as there's a little expectation put on United, the cookies come crumbling down, and um, not a good start. But you got Arsenal. 2-1 winners over their London rivals, West Ham. Move to today's matches. Speaking of Jose Mourinho, 5-2 winner over Southampton on the road today. Brighton, 3, Newcastle, 0. Uh, Chelsea, here's the big one today. I wasn't even going to talk about this yet. But um, we got Chelsea, 0, Liverpool, 2. So that's a big match so early in the season. Mm-hmm. And, again, I could say the same about Frank Lampard here. Everybody's raving about his ability as a manager. Yeah, he did a good job last year, but now you, the stakes are a little higher. They're expected to compete this year. You get the champions in round two, and you lose at home 2-0. Um, goalkeeper had a, a horrid, horrid day. Uh, Sadio Mane with two goals. The second one was an absolute gift. And um, Liverpool already, you know, six points from three from two matches. 
Leicester City, 4-2 winners at home over Burnley. And then we got two matches tomorrow. Aston Villa hosts Sheffield United. And Wolverhampton hosts your boys, Manchester City, tomorrow at 3.15. Hey, baby. 3.15, baby. Um, Yeah, I mean, Leicester right now are top of the table on goal difference. They're a goal ahead of Everton and Arsenal, Liverpool, a goal behind them. But you got five teams with six points. So kind of where I'm sitting right now mentally is not necessarily on the week-to-week thing. I kind of wanted to touch on what we're expecting for the entire season this year. For the season, I mean, you got the top four from last year. I think it's obviously Liverpool, Manchester City. Those two are going for the title. Um, You can go back and forth. Obviously, I'm pulling for Manchester City to pull it off again this year. Um, Set those clowns in their place because I'm getting real sick of them. But (laughs) After um, one year. (laughs) The problem is one of my cousins that I'm closest with, he's a Liverpool fan, and my God, is he obnoxious. I'm so sick of listening to him. They already forgot they waited 30 years for one title. 30 years? Dude, I've been winning t- like I'm bored of winning the Premier League. My main concern now is the Champions League. Sure. We've won the Premier League so many times. Mm-hmm. But um, my real question comes in the top four, and kind of like what you mentioned with Manchester United, every time there's a little bit of pressure, a little bit of expectation, they seem to crumble. Chelsea, similar situation. There's a lot of pressure. They went out. They spent a lot of money. Um, their owner is not the type of owner that likes to relax and wait for things to happen. So that's going to add even more pressure on Lampard. How's he going to react to it if things get off right. to a kind of right. sort of slow start? That might open up a couple spots here in the top four. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking at teams like Everton and especially Arsenal. These are two teams that I look at and I say, you know what? Everton is sneaky good. This Clemens Rodriguez deal is going to be a oh, big, a big deal, deal for them. For them. Yeah, you can see immediately that he makes a huge da- uh, huge change. In the first match against Tottenham, he created five chances. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the man of the match. And then um, yesterday, I mean, they scored five goals. They look fantastic moving forward. They have so much talent. Calvert-Lewin looks like he's starting to grow into his own. They have Richarlison on the other wing, Thomas Rodriguez. They have plenty of guys in the back. They have the best goalie in England outside of Ederson and uh, Becker with uh, Jordy Pickey. Sure. Um, so they're a very, very dangerous team to watch this year. If they can stay healthy, that is a team that I look at and say, you know what? They could surprise everybody and sneak into the top four, especially with Ancelotti as their manager. Um, but the other one is Arsenal. Mikel Arteta, what? I mean, he's doing such a good job. Putting aside the results, the fact that they've won their first two games for a minute. Have you watched the games at all? I haven't seen Arsenal yet, no. They look like Arsenal. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to watch because I've always had a soft spot in my, my heart for Arsenal. I, I don't know why. I always felt bad for them. They had such an amazing run with Yari Henry and all those boys. Sure. And next thing you know, they just completely fall off, and they still have that big field. They're like a big field club, but they're not really a big club at the moment. Right. So I'm looking at them, and I really think that this could be their year to really sneak back into that top four. Piero Bamiyan's playing out of his mind. Lacazette's a monster. Nicola Pepe, I love Pepe. You got other players like Saka. Um, if they can figure out the back line, which Gabriel is doing a great job of holding down right now, um, that is a very, very dangerous team. There is not a whole lot missing there. They have Danny Zabayos in the middle of the field. They have other attacking options on the uh, on the wings that could really, really make a difference. They have the wingbacks needed in Hector Bellarin, uh, Maitland-Niles, um, Kieran Tierney, the Bosnian dude, uh, Kalashinak. 
they have plenty of talent on that team. If they can just figure out the center backs, and again, Gabriel, through two games, has looked really good, really strong. Um, they still have a pretty solid goalie in Berlino as well. I'm looking at Arsenal, I'm thinking, you know what? If United and Chelsea start to, you know, clench up a little bit, look out for Arsenal. Yeah. But those boys could sneak back into the top four. That would be huge for them. Yeah, I, I think they're definitely going to be there. I also, I'm interested to see where two teams particularly fall. Tottenham and Wolves, they could go either way. And and it it's going to... It's going to be, I think, really interesting to see how the season unfolds. I think Wolves not having European football to worry about and being fresh week after week can either fall from that pack or they can, you know, be up there in fifth fighting for fourth, depending on how results go. They just picked up Nelson Semedo, by the way, another Portuguese player. <laughs> another, uh, I guess one leaves, one gets replaced, right? Jota goes to, goes to Liverpool and they bring in Semedo from Barcelona. Um, and I think he's going to be a fantastic fit there, to be honest, because uh, I mean, he he attacks, he goes forward really well. And when you bring in players from a higher level like that into a Wolves, a team that's ambitious, team trying to climb and get into that upper echelon, uh, I think they're going to be really hungry, and it's going to be interesting to see. Um, but Tottenham with Jose Mourinho, that's always a powder keg. It can go one of two ways, and I'm waiting to see which way this one's going to go this season. Started with the loss to start the season, so the pressure started, and he was blaming the referees, but he was blaming his players. You know what I'm saying? He's doing what he does, and and the press love this. You know, Sky Sports, NBC, they love covering this guy because he gives them so much material to work with. You can tell the story however you want. Now they pick up a a 5-2 win on the road today at Southampton. I'm interested to see where Tottenham will be come round Don't seven, forget. round eight. Don't forget, they also have Gary Bell. That's right, but he, did he not fail the medical, though? Uh, I read that they revealed an injury. I don't know if that put the, the transfer in doubt. But did they? I believe I read that Tottenham – you know what? I'm going to click on Tottenham here. Pretty sure they found an injury in his physical, but let's see here. Okay. It doesn't mean that the deal's off by any means. He just may be further away from playing. There's no headline under Tottenham's page here on Fop Mob. So, plus they got you know they got Sun, they got they got a, they got a strong team. I think again, if the team can stay together as a unit and they can be a functional team, they can they can compete. If they're gonna, you know, combust, self self destruct, as you will, like when you used to watch Inspector Gadget as kids, and he'd get the note, this me- this message will self destruct. That sometimes is Jose Mourinho teams. This team will self destruct in three, two, one. So it'll be interesting to see. So I love Mourinho. I think Mourinho is one of the best managers in the world. I love how he plays. I love how he sets things up. Um, I think he has a really good team in front of him this year. The problem is. Uh, I keep reading about how Spurs want to keep making more moves and making more transfers and spending more money. I don't, I don't know how that's going to work because that it takes time to blend. And Tottenham just built this massive stadium. They basically went bankrupt on it. They don't have money. To I was start just going to go to the stadium. That's right because they're strapped because of the stadium. Their budget is limited on transfers. It's, so it's while money, it may be limited, money, they, but but you want to spend money well. You don't just want to spend it. And to get the kind of guys that they would need, 
I think could be outside of their reach right now. They are trying to drink champagne on a Kool-Aid budget, man. Exactly, they, they exactly. Balling on and a budget. It's just like, yeah, and it's it's just not going to work with Mourinho. Like, it's it's really going to fail at some point. I'm telling you, I do not think that this is going to work. Um, I hope they're filming another season of All or Nothing right now for the Tottenham so we can <laughs> see all this unfold. I mean, Mourinho, I love Mourinho. Again, I love his style of play. Yeah. I love the way that he does things. I think that this would be a good team from him. He doesn't seem totally invested in it, though. He kind of seems like he took the job for the money. Which it's is quite possible. It's quite possible. You know, and what did they pay him? They paid him double uh, Pochettino guy. Right. So, so, I mean. Like I said, it'll be fun to watch what happens to them this season one way or another. I wanted to give you time for this because we're running out of time. But I did want to go to Greece so, you, so we could talk about the Greek League. All right, Super League Greece. Where are we at? Round two now? Yes, round two uh, for some teams. For but some teams. Some teams are playing their first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think didn't play this week. We had the week off. Friday, Pauk Atromito draw 1-1. You guys know Pauk very well. Your boy Zivkovic scores once again. Scores again. Um, on Friday, and then you have Olympiakos. Stunning turn of events. 0-0. Atromito playing very well. Next thing you know, one stupid call, another stupid yellow card. Hey, look at that. Olympiacos is up 3-0. Stunning turn of events there. Um, then on Saturday, let's pull these up. Pull these up. Uh, we only had one game. It was Ike beating Patolico 2-0. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ike is going to be a very, very good team this year. I think that Ike and Panathinaiko are going to be 2-3 and three in the league. Of course, Olympiacos is going to cheat their way to another title. Nothing new there. Um, but yeah, I think I can, uh, I can, but nothing at all. They're going to be very, very good teams. Our ban is finally lifted. So I'm expecting good things from us, uh, possibly playing European football again next year, which would be amazing. Um, but onto today's results, you have Ofi beating Lamia in a big, uh, potentially big game for who's going to be at the bottom of the table this mm-hmm. year. Either of these teams are going to be very good. And then you have Adi, the story of last year. A team that really did compete very well. They end up finishing in fourth place. Um, very, very dangerous team. It's good to see Adi back in the Super League. Them and Pauk, huge rivalry in Thessaloniki. They love to burn the place down when these two meet. Adi come up with a 1-0 win against Volu Simana uh, today. That was a really good result for them. Um, as for tomorrow... No games in Greece. Uh, that's pretty much the end of round two. But Atenea mm-hmm. picks up a 1-0 win in a friendly match against Levo Diakos, which I don't totally understand why we're playing friendly matches. But It says here that the match was was postponed, so the scheduled one. I don't know the reason, but is there COVID issues going on in the league? No, no. Because it's got, it's got you guys playing today, but then crossed out as postponed. With the- uh, Nope. No, nope. There no. was no, not to my knowledge, there was no COVID. Okay, I mean, this match is getting postponed all the time, and I don't always know why either. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's like frustrating because yeah, it's kind of like college football. I don't know if you followed college football at all, but a some little of these bit. Just, some leagues some are playing, games, some aren't, right? Some conference. Some are playing, some aren't, and then you have weeks like this week where there was like a minor outbreak in one of the teams. Eight games got postponed because of it. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, cool. 
Yeah, we just got to keep adjusting and keep adapting, right? <laughs> that's the beauty of soccer because there's yeah. so many leagues that even if one or two shut down, that's all right. We got the Premier League. We got yeah. the Bundesliga. We got Liga 1. It's not like a few months ago when we were mm-hmm. watching Belarus and soccer. Oh, we, we and we were excited to watch it. Oh, my God. Remember all the games were free up on YouTube too? <laughs> they took. Oh, they made my- the most of that, didn't they? All right, that's going to be it for this week, Leo. Um, we'll definitely look back at those leagues a little closer as as the season goes on. It's uh, not much to talk about in the first couple of weeks. Um, we hit on, I think, all the major talking points this weekend. What What do you got coming up this week? Oh, we do have one match I wanted to bring up. What do you have? What are you seeing right now towards this week's UEFA Super Cup? Bayern Munich versus Sevilla. Um, it's, I believe, Thursday. It's the UEFA Super Cup. What do you think of that match, and uh, what are the bookies saying? Uh, so, I mean, we, we've definitely touched on Bayern Munich and how good Bayern yeah. Munich are going to be again this year. Uh, bookies currently have Bayern Munich listed as minus 280 to win on the money line. Uh, no real surprise there. The draw is at plus 450, and Sevilla is at plus 650 to end up winning the match. It all depends on how seriously Bayern Munich take it. I mean, exactly. it's pretty, it comes down to that, really. That being said, it's German. It's a German team. It's Bayern Munich. I still expect them to take it fairly, uh, very seriously. Then I don't really know if Sevilla is going to take this match seriously. So, I mean, if you ask me, I think Bayern Munich continue to roll. They continue to do their thing. They'll probably switch up their lineup a little bit, probably get some new legs in there and dominate the game either way. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I, I have a hard time betting against Bayern Munich right now, no matter who they face, to be honest. There's just... It's- it doesn't matter the context. They're such professionals that every match to them they take with the level of professionalism and they get the job done. So I, I, I see Bayern Munich lifting that trophy. So we're coming out of the restart. You remember a couple of games. I had a, probably a four or five game stretch where I bet against Bayern Munich every yes, time. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And I would text you in the middle of the game. Why do I do this to myself every week? Why do I keep doing myself? And every week you thought that the line was too good to pass up. <laughs> yeah, man. Every week I'd be like, no, no, I'm going to take the spread. Three goals, Bayern Munich's not going to win by They three. went 7-0. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like 6 nothing at halftime. <laughs> Legitimate. All right, Leo, thank you for joining me. Well, where can the listeners find you? Uh, I'm sure they know by now, but anyone that's new listening, where can they find you? Anybody that's new listening, it's about damn time, folks. Uh, DJ's <laughs> United Podcast. You can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, pretty much anywhere your heart desires for your podcasting needs. Uh, be sure to check out our website, djensunited.com. Um, I do a – well, we obviously give out bets every single day. Obviously, soccer is one of the biggest biggest sports around because there's so many games. There is a bunch of value. Uh, but my specialty is the daily fantasy sports lineups for the Premier League, especially in FanDuel. I'm very, very good at it. I'm one of the best, uh, one of the best around. I'm not one of those guys that toot their horn like, yo, I'm the best. No, I'm genuinely good at it. I had um, my first two lineups that I posted on the website have cashed, and they have cashed relatively easy. Up Premier League lineups, uh, you won't regret it. All right. All right. Thank you, Leo. Uh, We'll talk again next week, and we may very well be live next week. So be ready for that, everybody. Stay tuned to PTB Media's Twitter. um, That's at at PTB underscore media. We'll tweet out a time, and you can catch us on this segment live next week under the new format for this show. Hopefully, we'll get that off the ground next week. 
All right. So until then, Leo, thank you, and I'll talk to you soon. Good night, Capitano. Take it easy. We'll be right back with a look at the English Championship. After this, we'll look at the EFL before we say goodbye for another week. So from the sportsbook back across the sea, across the pond to Mother England, as many call it, we are revisiting England as it is another weekend of action in the EFL Championship, one of my favorite leagues. As you know, let's run down the results in the championship this weekend. Starting on Friday, Coventry City 3, Queens Park Rangers 2. We move to Saturday's matches and we have Nottingham Forest at home. 2-0 losers once again. Another drop decision as Nottingham Forest will lose 2-0 at home to Cardiff City. The Bluebirds pick up the three points on the road. Blackburn Rovers at home beat the newly promoted Wickham Wanderers. And it could be a very long season for the League 1 playoff winners from a season ago. 5-0 to Blackburn Rovers. Brentford, the playoff final um, losers, if you will, playoff, the defeated playoff finalists in the championship last season. They get things back going the right way with a 3-0 home win at their brand new stadium. They beat Huddersfield Town. Luton Town 2, Derby County 1, Middlesbrough 1, Bournemouth 1, Norwich City 2, Preston North End 2, Reading 2, Barnsley 0, Rotherham United 0, Millwall 1, Sheffield Wednesday 0, Watford 1, and Swansea City 0, Birmingham City 0. And the one match today to talk about on the 20th, it was Stoke City at home 0, Bristol City 2. Let's look now at the table in the EFL Championship. And right now, after only two rounds, we have three teams sharing the top spot. Three teams are perfect right now with two victories from two matches. It's Reading with a plus-four goal difference ahead of Bristol City, who have a plus-three goal difference, and Luton Town with a plus-two. Again, all three of those teams with two victories from two matches, six points top of the table. Next, we have Bournemouth, Norwich, Birmingham City, Millwall, Swansea City, and Watford, all on four points. And in 10th below them is Blackburn Rovers on three, as are Brentford, Queens Park Rangers, Coventry, and Cardiff, as well as Rotherham United, all on three points. And then Preston, North End, Middlesbrough, and Stoke City each have one point. And in the bottom... With no points right now, we have Derby County, Bonsley, Huddersfield Town, Nottingham Forest, Wickham Wanderers, and Sheffield Wednesday. And believe it or not, well, Sheffield Wednesday are dead last because they were ducked eight points. So they have negative eight points while Wickham Wanderers, Nottingham Forest, Huddersfield Town, Barnsley, and Derby County all have zero. And... Interestingly enough, Sheffield Wednesday actually won a match already, so they would have had 
They won Andrew. They're actually undefeated with negative eight points right now, and they have a tall order to try to make up that deficit to avoid relegation this season. Certainly, that is going to be their goal. And before we go, there's no there's no women's Super League action this week from England because it was an international window, an international break in women's football in Europe. But there were Euro qualifiers all week. And we're going to go back starting with the 16th of September. That would have been on Wednesday. These are all, and actually the Wednesday match was postponed. So that one, we don't have a result from Wednesday. But from Thursday, September the 17th, Bosnia-Herzegovina nil, Denmark 4, Sweden 8, Hungary nil. This is women's football, of course. This is Euro 2021 women's qualifiers. Iceland 9, Latvia 0, Italy and Israel postponed. Um, We move ahead to Thursday and you have Russia 0, Netherlands 1, Finland and Portugal are postponed. Belgium 6, Romania 1, Croatia 1, Switzerland 1, Cyprus and Scotland postponed. Faroe Islands 0, Northern Ireland 6, Czech Republic 0, Poland nil, Kosovo two, Estonia nil, Montenegro one, Ukraine three, Slovenia three, Turkey one, Serbia nil, France two, and moving to Friday, Germany three, Ireland nil, Moldova nil, Spain nine. And coming up tomorrow, a whole new slate of games. Kazakhstan hosts Austria. Azerbaijan and Spain is postponed. Bosnia-Herzegovina hosts Italy. Montenegro hosts Germany. Latvia hosts Hungary. Cyprus and Finland are postponed. Estonia hosts Russia as a, in a battle of two former Soviet republics. Uh, Faroe Islands will host Belarus. Norway hosts Wales. Poland host Czech Republic, Croatia visit Romania, Ukraine are home to Greece, Malta home to Denmark, Switzerland home to Belgium, Iceland host Sweden in a you know Scandinav- Viking derby if you will, and Scotland and Portugal are postponed. North Macedonia hosts France. So that's where we stand right now in the women's Euro Championships. In their qualifying rounds. Let's quickly go through here. And take a look at the tables in the groups. In group A. Netherlands are top. 7 matches played. 21 points. They are a clear 9 points. um, 9 points ahead of 2nd place. Slovenia with 12. Russia are 3rd on 9 points. Kosovo 4th on 9 points. While Estonia and Turkey have a point each. Group B through six matches. Denmark, top of the table. Perfect. Six victories, 33 goals for. No goals allowed. And um, it's a remarkable record. Denmark have 18 points. So, too, do Italy. They also, six victories, no draws, no defeats. Perfect. But Italy with 19 goals for and two goals against. Their plus 17 pales in comparison to Denmark's plus 33. But they both have 18 points. And third is Bosnia-Herzegovina with 15 points, three back, but with two more matches played than the two teams ahead of them. Israel and Malta have four points each, while Georgia is in the basement with zero points. 
Group C, Norway has 12 points from four matches. They're perfect. 32 goals, 4-1 against. Wales are four behind them, also with four matches played. Northern Ireland are third with five points. Belarus have three, and Faroe Islands with no points. Group D, Spain are top of the table. Four matches played, three victories, one draw. They have ten points. Poland have two victories and two draws on eight points. Czech Republic have seven, Moldova three, and Azerbaijan are last with no points. Qualifying Group E, Finland are top of the group right now. Four matches played, ten points. That's three victories and a draw. Scotland are four behind them with two matches played and six points, two victories, 13 goals for none against. Third place right now is Portugal with two ma- four points from two matches, a win and a draw. They have a plus one goal difference, while Albania are fourth on three points and a negative 14 goal difference, and Cyprus are la- are fifth with with no points. Group F, Sweden are tops. They're perfect, as are Iceland. They each have 12 points. Slovakia are next with four, as is Hungary, and Latvia is fifth with no points. Austria leads Group G, 12 points. France are three behind, but with a match in hand, um, both teams are perfect for the matches that they have played. Neither has surrendered a goal yet. Serbia, third, also on nine points, but with six matches played. North Macedonia, fourth on three points. And Kazakhstan is last with no points. Group H is led by Belgium. They have 15 points from five matches. Perfect. And they are two ahead of Switzerland. Third place is Croatia with four points. Romania, fourth with three. And Lithuania with none. Germany lead Group I. They have 15 points from five matches. They are perfect. Ireland are second on 13 points, but with an extra match played. Greece have four in third place from four matches. Ukraine have three from four matches, and Montenegro have no points. That is qualifying right now for Women's Euro 2021. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is episode 13 of Parking the Bus. We will be back with you next week. And it'll be Leo and myself in a new format. It'll be live on YouTube. I'm not sure what time yet, but we will tweet that out this week. The idea is to go live on YouTube and to have the podcast drop Monday morning. So I hope everyone has a great week. I hope everyone enjoys watching football this week. There's plenty of good stuff on, as there is always in this sport. That's the great thing about our sport is it doesn't have an off season. It's constantly going. <laughs> it's mid-season somewhere all the time. So thank you for joining. This is the Mr. Mike Agustino signing off for myself, Leo Kukakis, and for Mario Mata saying thank you for joining us. And we will catch you again next week here on the PTB Media Network.